Hello everyone and welcome to the 10th installment of Chicks Into the Pits. So the last episode was pretty special, being recorded live from the Monza circuit, but it looks like COVID-19 is coming back, so the good times are basically already gone and we're both back home. Anyways, if there's something we can complain about, that's racing. Yeah, I mean, we've had really plenty of on-track action in the past few weeks. And I mean, just today at the time of recording, we're recording on a Sunday and uh, we've had the 24 hours of spa. Uh, we've had the, the Portuguese GP coming back into the calendar. And of course, there's also MotoGP, if you ask Martina at the very least. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get this episode started. So Marty, <laughs> <laughs> where do you want to start? Well, um, Maybe we can, I don't know, comment on Formula One since it, it's basically just finished. Yeah, actually. I mean, it was, I don't know, like 30 minutes ago. A pretty exciting race, I have to say. I feel like I've missed like the most important part of, of the race because I was finishing commentary on the 24 hours of spa. So I, I, I started watching the race around the around lap 20 or something. So I missed a lot of the action. Apparently. Yeah, you missed most of it, basically, because <laughs> like the first laps were crazy. I, I, I couldn't understand anything that was like Carlos Sainz in uh, P1. And it was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? How is this possible? And um, yeah, there was a lot of on track action in those, um, I'd say, 10 laps first 10 laps or something like that but I was actually expecting for some more after what uh, went on uh, in the beginning so yeah you know at the end it was quite exciting if you compare it to other races we've had recently <laughs> but it could have been a bit better. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that, I don't know, Lance Stroll basically pulled another Lance Stroll trick yeah. and did the exact same thing he did uh, during free practice, I think, with Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, but he got penalized at least this time, so it makes sense. Uh, yeah, 10 seconds in total. 10 seconds in total, really? Yeah. Oh, because I thought it was only five. Yeah, that was five because of that. And then uh, another five seconds because um, I think he exceeded track limits or something. Oh, track limits. Yeah. Oh, my God. This weekend, I've heard so much talk about track limits. limits. Yeah. They were infringed insanely in Portimao. Like, I don't know, on Friday, the, the stats said something about 125 track limit infringements. <laughs> which is crazy. But then again, I mean, the 24 hours of spa was insane in terms of track limits infringements. Yeah. Like usually the thing with, with these kinds of races is that it's very difficult to enforce um, track limits on every single corner. It doesn't even make much sense, but it would be simply insane for race direction. So they choose some corners in which track limits are enforced and others in, in which you can basically go all the way out without uh, much happening later. Uh, but basically during, I don't know, free practice and qualifying and Super Bowl, the early track limits enforced were in uh, um, Eau Rouge. But that was absolutely insane. Like everybody was following different racing line by that <laughs> point. That was so weird. So during the race, they enforced um, limits on other, I don't know, three or four turns. So the, they were a bit more well behaved. But anyway, going back to Portimao, it was like Lewis Hamilton's 92nd career win. Yeah. Like, he broke the record. He did it. 
A freaking all time record. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't looking at this thing as if it was possible. Like in my head, it wasn't. Um, but I knew it was coming. And yeah, I'm a bit shook, to be honest. It's, it's weird. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's one of those things where you know that it's coming. It's not like we didn't expect that. At least I don't know how the last three to four years panned out. It was kind of clear that yeah. he will reach this record. But you know, when it happens, it downs on you like completely. So you're there. Oh my God, this this really happened. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, of course. Like congratulations to Lewis. It's it's an insane feat, and to Mercedes, of course. Uh, really, I don't think that anybody could possibly reasonably say that this isn't deserved. I really hope nobody says that because honestly, yeah, the car does a lot, but that's a great driver on that car. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen other drivers on that car and they don't compare as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. it's pre- pretty evident. I mean, Bottas, you, you know, I like Bottas as a driver. But, you know, he consistently shows that he really cannot put up a fight for the entire championship. Like maybe one or two races, he can prove himself to be a worthy opponent. But for the rest, I mean, he's the number two driver. He knows that. Mercedes knows that. But it's it's kind of sad for a driver to settle into that position as much as I want to be realistic and say like it's a job uh, every single driver knows where the team uh, loyalty uh, lies but yeah it's still sad to be honest but I mean Lewis Hamilton always gets so much flack from people in general um, for you know so many reasons it's basically for anything like he could feed starving children and sometimes he does that and he still gets flack for that yeah um, which is kind of insane but also I think that the past few months especially have really shown the true nature of humanity in its entirety so it's depressing but it's not surprising I am particularly nihilist today Marty I don't know if you can feel that that vein in me but yeah today I'm not (laughs) today I'm I'm feeling the Nietzsche inside of me (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah it's been a tiring weekend guys you have no idea it was a 20 we we had a 24 hour race to 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 deal with and uh, you know marty was also on um on the night report so yeah. <laughs> she's like dead inside and i, I was had a lot of fun <laughs> definitely also because the night was so crazy in spa and also like i was on duty until past midnight so yeah we we're we're kind of drained at the moment to be yeah. honest yeah, plus I, I really, I'm really super, super tired. But anyways, like I went to bed at 1 a.m., I think, and at 5, I was already awake. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's see what, what's going on at Spa. Let's go to bed and see. <laughs> and then I thought, just just go back to sleep. And I didn't. So I, I'm also stupid. <laughs> well okay today guys you will have to deal with us in this stage and there's nothing you can do about that unfortunately um but anyway no i mean Portimao also had some star performance if, if you ask me like for example like Perez in his comeback drive from p20 to p5 slash p6 yeah. actually there's still an investigation ongoing so we yeah. don't know that position could change 
um, that was that was a stellar drive. Also proves once again if there we have a need for any type of proof uh, that Racing Point is just so strong this year. But Gasly, I mean Pierre actually always puts on a show. Like he's been yeah. so consistently putting on a show. Yeah, that was incredible today. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, it's enter- it's generally entertaining, which is kind of the reason why we still watch Formula One, uh, to be honest. Like the yeah, problem one with of the Formula- few reasons. Yeah, exactly. The problem with Formula One is that it is getting less and less generally entertaining as the years go by. Because the point is, we have the occasional stunner, showstopper. Uh, but if you really think about that, most of the time it happens because... Uh, I don't know, crazy weather conditions or crazy shunts, but it's rarely proper fun racing. You know what the difference is? So, yeah, and it's actually very great to see Gasly having so much fire and being being so confident uh, in his car because, you know, he's really proven himself, which is kind of, I think, can result in Albon's downfall uh, from a certain perspective. I mean, like today he was starting P6, ended up P12 and was lapped by Verstappen. That's way too much, Alex. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing, too. So... I bet he's not feeling the best at the moment. But, um, you know, the thing you were saying earlier is what we always say, basically, that there's something wrong if the the show is given by some external factors that shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Um, so And that's the main reason why we we still enjoy Formula One, but we, we kind of enjoy it a bit less because, you know, when you have to think about MotoGP you have to take out the great champion in order to have a proper championship fight it shouldn't be like that it shouldn't work like that so and that's basically the same in Formula One you know there's a lot of people going yeah take Hamilton off uh, of the grid and and let's see who wins the championship yeah but it shouldn't be like that yeah it shouldn't be the point <laughs> like yeah it's absolutely it shouldn't be insane. Like, yeah you're right, no, so. I mean, uh, MotoGP, you know I don't follow MotoGP, so Marty is the authority on that. But uh, <laughs> this year, it definitely made it like so much more interesting. Uh, the the simple fact that I know something about MotoGP this year should give you like an indication <laughs> on how fun, funnier it became once Marquez was out like I know nothing I knew nothing about MotoGP before 2020 like I couldn't name the drivers the riders on the grid now I can there's a reason for that even though I still haven't watched uh, watched the race but you know at the very least I'm getting to grips with it Uh, but yeah it's sad that this is the point and I can understand that 2020 is proving so difficult guys like this is a year that will certainly go down in the history books and really uh, irregardless of motorsport, sport like this is truly the last of our issues at the moment just today uh, Italy was put again in some kind of a soft lockdown so yeah. as many other countries in Europe and uh, around the world so it, it kind of feels wrong for us to complain about sport uh, in, in 2020 but it's yeah. also I mean it's also what we do so why shouldn't we yeah and as long as we can complain about something so um, silly uh, if you can pass the term it means that our lives are not going so bad so yeah 
Um, also, it's kind of, you know, finding shelter at some point. I think yeah. that sports yeah, has been that in the lives of people for so many years. But this year, yeah, it also has like some kind of a different meaning to it. But the point is, and allow me some kind of, I, I don't know, semi-political digression, guys. But the point is, um, whenever I heard talks, especially during the first lockdown period here in Italy, but pretty much worldwide, to be honest. Uh, people complaining about why are governments trying so hard to have sports back on track again, like mm, having soccer back, football back, uh, motorsport back. And everyone was like, we have better things to, to think about. Like that, that was such a stupid line yeah. of reason, in my opinion. Yeah. Reason number one, that's because like so many people's livelihood depends on sports i mean you have the the top playing athletes and whatever they are paid millions and we can debate on whether they are actually worth that many millions but i mean that's how the business works but there are like tens of thousands of people working behind the scenes that simply would not would not know what to eat if they didn't have a job like so many yeah. of us So, yeah, that was such a stupid line of reasoning, but also because, I mean, we do need entertainment to survive and we do, sports yeah. is entertainment. Like whenever I, I see talks, you know, especially in the in the liberal circles going around like, oh, my God, some people always complain about being poor, but then they splurge, I don't know, 30 euros uh, a month just for a Sky Sports subscription. And I'm there over there like, do you understand that the, the meaning of that subscription to these people? Like these are people who are terribly unhappy for every circumstance that life throws at them. And you really want to deprive them of the single thing that can make them happy for like two hours every week. That's that's like so obtuse, to be honest. Yeah. And the thing is, probably we need entertainment, sport, music, movies, anything like this, more during these times than we did before. Yeah, exactly. It's pure escapism. Like, for example, last la, last month, I actually, you, you, Marty, knew about this. I probably told you about it. You know, I made some kind of an inquiry into the world of esports. Yeah. Uh, because during lockdown, you know, esports were prominent because, of course, we couldn't have actual uh, entertain, sporting entertainment on track or in stadiums or whatever. Um, and, you know, I make uh, made a survey with both people working in esports and people just merely enjoying esports. And in the second category, basically, um, the main reason, the number one reason with like, I don't know, it was 56 or 57 percent of preferences for, you know, this sudden interest in esports. You know what that was? It was literally escapism. Like that was what I put in the survey and that's what people responded to. Like yeah. people simply wanted to escape their current situation like so many of us wanted to. So, yeah, I think that really enter the entertainment industry in general isn't given the credit uh, where it's due. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sport is fundamental to so many people and it's really stupid to assume that it could be the same for all those people without sports. That's really bold to assume. 
Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, like uh, after this brief and kind of depressing digression, but as I was yeah. telling you guys about before, I, I'm feeling quite the nihilist today. So allow me that for once. Yeah, you're, uh, you're affecting my humor too. So yeah, I'm kind of bringing you down. I know, but I've been feeling so <laughs> tired and so depressed lately. Anyway, let's cheer everybody up, guys. Like this is completely off topic, but I think we should all know and congratulate the fact that Martina is officially a doctor. She got her degree in the span from last podcast uh, episode uh, to this one. So congrats, Marty. Thanks. Uh, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> now I've boosted your mood up again. <laughs> and also your uh, your gift is coming. So be ready for that. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, we were talking about Alex Albon. Honestly, I feel sorry for the guy. I generally feel sorry for Alex Albon because I think that the, the weight of having uh, Max Verstappen as a, as a teammate is just insane. It's probably something that no one else on the grid really suffers, except for maybe Valtteri Bottas. I think yeah. that in terms of having someone so strong as a teammate, only Hamilton competes with Max Verstappen. And not because, say, Charles Leclerc isn't a strong driver, it's just because the dynamic in uh, Ferrari as clownish as it, as it may be, it's just completely different. So you, you really don't feel the pressure of your teammate that strongly, at least at the moment, at least in this season. Um, so, yeah, I feel sorry for Alex Albon because I think that was kind of inevitable. But to be honest, like, I, I try to justify his performance more at the start of the season, but I really struggle to find reasons to justify that now. You know, I feel sorry for him. Um, but at the same time, I don't know what's the problem. I really can't wrap my head around that. I can't find reasons. So because I think he is a good driver. Yeah, I think he could do better than starting sixth and ending 12th, you know. But to me, it's I, I don't know. It's possible that the cars are obviously different. Um, but I, I don't know if the problem lies in, in this situation or there is something deeper. I mean, of course, Max is an astonishingly talented driver. So um, it, it's I think it's kind of hard to find someone that can actually challenge him inside his team. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, there were a lot of people throwing mud, let's say, at Gasly because Uh, he was basically doing the same thing Albon is doing right now. Um, he probably also did like a, a tad bit better than Albon, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and now it's the same thing all over again with the different driver. That's the only difference. So I really I really don't understand what's going on. Yeah, to be honest, like I think we've always known that Red Bull actually builds the car around uh, Max, yeah. which is not something I would complain. I mean, if you have such a crystal clear talent that is bound to you and you've actually built a relationship with this driver that allows you to do that, then by all means, I mean, he consistently competes for wins and podiums and always gets, gets them. I think that this year, the stat says that uh, Verstappen has been the only driver to always go up on the podium 
which is, I mean, Crazy. insane, absolutely insane. So the consistency is there, the, the talent is there, the speed is there. Makes sense for them to build the car around him. Um, but I also don't think that really justifies the poor performance by Gasly last year and Albon this year. Because, yeah. again, it's not like they're sabotaging you. And yeah. I think the same thing goes uh, for Ferrari at the moment. Like, uh, Vettel fans, which, you know, we are Vettel fans, so we, we can include ourselves in the, com- in the conversation, are all saying, oh, my God, but you cannot really blame Sebastian for uh, whatever is happening to his qualifying and race pace because the car is built around Charles, which is something that I can understand from, the, from Ferrari's perf- perspective. Like, if you have updates or if you want to, uh, I don't know, modify the, the architecture of the car, then you should definitely go with a driver who's going to stay with you for so many years and has a five-year contract instead of the driver that's going to Aston Martin last, uh, next year. Thank uh, God. But the, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Uh, but the thing is also like surely there is um, a part of blame that falls into the car and into the team. But clearly Seb is lacking the motivation at the moment. And again, I don't think anybody should be angry at him for lacking the motivation. It's just, you know, that the kind of right passage, which is actually pretty common in Formula One. Like if you're going to switch to a new team, then it, it makes little to no sense to invest some sort of emotional involvement into your current team. So it's something, yeah. I mean, that I can understand, but I don't agree with people who only put the blame on the car. Like, it's obviously also Seb's fault. It just doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, you know, the only difference with um, between Vettel and uh, Gasly or Albon or insert any other driver who hasn't won that much in Formula 1 yet is... This is that uh, he's won four world championships. So people know his worth. And uh, on the contrary, people still don't know the worth of Alex Albon or Pierre Gasly. So uh, it's easier uh, for a lot of people to uh, put the blame on a driver who hasn't won anything because, you know, they they still have everything to, to prove. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And this is the reason why, I don't know, a driver like Seb or a driver like Kimi, which is absolutely, you know, on Sunset Boulevard, despite the results, they're still keeping a seat and they're still keeping their place in Formula One because you can all, you can always say, oh, he's not getting the, it's not like he's not getting the results because he doesn't belong in Formula One because he's been overrated his entire career. Like you cannot apply that kind of, uh, of narrative onto Seb or on Tsukimi. You can just say, okay, they've been in a rut. Uh, They probably have lost the motivation. So a new work environment will give them their mojo back, which is something that, again, you cannot really say for, I don't know, Gasly or Albon or anybody else. Anyway, talking about young drivers, uh, the, the, the mere idea that George Russell might leave the paddock in 2021 has sent the internet into a frenzy. A quite understandable frenzy, if you ask me. 
Okay, why do I not know anything about this? Really? Why am I hearing this now? (laughs) Seriously? No, of course. Yeah, I've been completely off social media and anything for some days and I didn't know anything about this. (laughs) No, basically, I mean, of course, we're only talking about silly season rumor, guys. So, uh, but the thing is that the idea is that apparently um, a roster of paying drivers will come into Formula One in 2021, which includes Nikita Mazepin, uh, the not-so-likable <laughs> F2 driver, yeah. uh, which should be set to come to uh, Haas uh, in 2021. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that probably uh, Sergio Perez, uh, not because of his talent, I mean, of course, I'm not saying that Sergio is not a talented driver. He's an amazing driver, and he deserves yeah. a, a spot on the grid, that's for sure. But he also has like an incredibly... Uh, wealthy uh, sponsor um, supporting his career, something that George doesn't have to the same extent. Yeah. Um, so apparently he could actually help Williams out um, in exchange for a seat, which, oh, no. I mean, if you ask me, it wouldn't be beneficial to either Sergio or Williams, yeah. except for the money, because I don't really think that Williams needs that. And for Sergio, I mean, it would be such a such an outrageous step backwards that I, honest, yeah. I honestly probably wouldn't do it if I was in his position. Uh, yeah. Also because Perez, honestly, is a driver that can 100% find a seat in any other category he chooses. So... Like, it really doesn't make much sense to me. But the problem is that Toto Wolf, in these couple of days, past couple of days, has said that uh, Russell's future is not really in Mercedes's hands, which oh. I think that is something crazy to say. But anyway, he said that. Um, so people are actually starting to, to, to worry about Russell's future. No, I'm starting to worry about his future now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Really, George is something that is someone that belongs so much into the Formula One paddock. With he deserves to be there. Absolutely. Like his talent and his age yeah. is incredibly young. Like he's on yeah. par with the rest of the young guns on the grid. And he's incredibly talented. Unfortunately, Williams doesn't really show that. But we can we can see already with his qualifying performances and his racecraft. And it would be so insane to see him out. Like we've had some big misses in Formula One. Like people, we were like sure they were getting into Formula One and eventually they didn't. Like the the yeah. most recent was Nick de Vries, um, yeah. which wasn't even as talented as, as Russell, if you ask me. Like to be yeah. honest, he wasn't. Um, but yeah, it would be like so, so strange. And he shows once again that what is wrong with Formula One young driver academies? Honestly. Yeah, I'm a bit shook at this. Like, I wasn't expecting any of this. Like, oh, God, I don't like this. I don't like this. I I mean, I know it, it has to do with the money. Everything has to do with the money. But why does it have to do... It's crazy. So Marty is like has been sent into you know the meme of the blonde lady with all the 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 triangulation stuff <laughs> going around. That that yeah. that's Marty at the moment. Like she can't even process the news. She's like, what the hell is going on in the world right now? 
which yeah. is understandable to be honest. Even I, when I first had uh, read the headline, I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, is this like silly season in full swing? And then, you know, at the start, I, I wasn't even believed in the rumors. You know, I'm very serious with with my sources. Uh, so it was, I was there like, honestly, who cares? Like, probably that was like a some sketchy Spanish or whatever media outlet that was putting it out there. But then when Toto Wolf came out and said, yeah, it's not really not really up to us to w- what happens to George next year. I was like, oh, damn, like th- this could actually be real. This could actually happen. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, it was oh, absolutely God. But honestly, this is probably like the only thing that works in Ferrari at the moment. The FDA. Like, yeah. honestly, they're very good <laughs> yeah. at that. There is one thing that works. It works very well. I mean, in 2021, we could actually have two or even three drivers from the FDA up in Formula One. Like, that is an insane result. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good thing. Uh, Yeah, but I'm quite sad about Russell right now because that sounds really crazy to me. Because if we think about it, there are some drivers in Formula One who really don't deserve to be in Formula One or at least do not deserve that um, to the same extent that George does. So that, That's always been the, the Formula One conundrum, to be honest. But, uh, I mean, I think we're in an era of Formula One in which we have some seriously, I mean, good drivers in it, uh, especially after the induction of the super license point system. You know, there, there were decades in Formula One in which drivers weren't really up to par, like, and Imagine having, I don't know, a Ragunasan in Formula One. That happened in the past, um, which is something that cannot really actually happen right now. Like you have to be to a certain standard to even obtain the necessary super license points. Then, of course, money talks. So we have some drivers that were like, ah, yeah, we, we could do without them. And then we lose incredible talents. It's it's also crazy to think that um, Perez could take his place because he is obviously extremely talented. Um, we we can't say that he isn't, um, but that would be such a downgrade for him. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite understand it if it really ended up like this because uh, Sergio kind of deserves a bit more than this. Um, sorry, Williams. But um, yeah, I mean, he is one of the most talented drivers on the grid, if you ask me. So they both deserve to be in Formula One. I just really hope no one takes no one out of the sport. Yeah, the thing is, like, you guys remember when Vettel was announced uh, at Aston Martin, of course, like me and Martin were happy that uh, he stayed in Formula One because, I mean, we're still convinced that Seb has still a lot to, to prove and a lot to show in Formula One. But mm-hmm. also, like, the heartbreak w- for Sergio was absolutely real. And my ideal team would have been a Vettel-Perez pairing. Like, that yeah. would have been amazing. Like, that w- would have been 100% what I was going to support in 2021. Like, I would have bought the, 
the entire Aston Martin merch line <laughs> if, the, if the lineup was Vettel Paris. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I mean, uh, Sergio is not even that young. Like, he's certainly past 30. I think he's maybe like 30 or 31. 31 maybe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not a young gun that just for the sake of being in Formula One just settles for Williams like, I don't know, Latifi or Russell yeah. did. Like, he, he really doesn't need to be in Formula One, especially since he's been here for, like, 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, if I were him, to be honest, I would prefer to leave the Formula One paddock behind and uh, and find more success, I don't know, in endurance racing. Of course, I love endurance racing, so I'm pretty partial to that. Uh, in endurance races or in America or in Australia, there are so many incredibly competitive championships that you can join apart from Formula One. And on that note, Marty, I think we should say something about the 24 Hours of Spa. It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Actually, my my shift uh, of commentary was not that fun because uh, <laughs> I hadn't slept a lot and uh, I, I would I basically didn't understand anything, but uh, it was really a fun race. I I enjoyed it. Um, the rain, yeah, it could have been a bit less, let's say this, <laughs> but um, I, I enjoyed the race. I actually wasn't able to watch a lot of hours of the 24 hours because um, life, but uh, <laughs> life. I really think it was fun and um yeah, my favorite teams uh, basically retired all the cars, but <laughs> very it's nice. Fine. It's fine. Very nice. I mean, that that's just the beauty of Spa, if you ask me. No, anyway, the, the thing is, I was a bit worried about this race. First of all, because there were serious rumors, not in the in the 24 hours of Spa paddock, but in the GT Masters paddock last week like 10 days ago that the race was not going to take place and yeah. it was it was quite an hazard if you ask me like that was a risk because the the, the number of people uh, involved and the current second wave covid second wave going around was you know that made it pretty risky and to be honest i can i can tell you guys that uh, you know the dtm uh, drivers uh, didn't eventually participate into the Audi official squads. Like, theoretically, like Audi said, it was because they need to focus for DTM, which, I mean, partially, yes, it is true, but mostly it was like, we cannot risk them being, being positive for DTM, which is in a week. So basically, they were, they were like counting on the fact, like taking into account the fact that there would would have been some positive cases, which actually were in the in the 24 hours of Spa Paddock. Yeah. No driver involved, but we had a couple of positive cases. Not confirmed, like there weren't official uh, announcements on, on this, but I know for a fact that yeah, there but, have you know, been. At this point, it's obvious that someone's going to turn out positive. Yes. It's I mean, at this point, you just have to work with that. Like, yeah. you know that if there are a thousand people in a paddock, like someone is positive, you, you just have to deal with the fact. Yeah, yeah. And hope, wear your mask and hope that you don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. that's the thing. So uh, if you hear me laugh, we basically had a digression, which um, <laughs> you're not going to hear. <laughs> because we're yeah, we're to going to edit that out. We, we were talking about uh, the Lamborghini 63 um my big heroes did wrong they did wrong 
Um, so yeah, I, I was just telling Aurora that um, I was kind of broken when I saw the the accident because I was actually watching the race live at that moment, um, and obviously when I decide to to switch on the TV, <laughs> that's right when my favorite car gets into the barriers. <laughs> no, but at the mo- like at that particular moment, I really felt for Dennis Lind. Uh, I mean, you're 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 there. You're young. You're with uh, Andrea Caldarelli and Marco Mappelli, and you crash the damn car out. Like I, I would be so 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 ashamed of myself. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go back into into the pits. I mean, guys, we're not saying that the land is at fault or anything. Like it can happen, and the the weather conditions were so tricky. Like yeah. the the track was so slippery. So many cars crashed out. Like an an incredible amount. I think like only 35 or 36 cars finished the race. So there were like 20 retirements and yeah. many of those crashed out because of the rain. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know what? I also felt a bit for the uh, 88 because uh, uh, yes, I, I kind of, let's say, um, I don't like that team a lot. But, um, but you know, they know, they know. We, we've talked about this yeah, they, in another podcast. <laughs> they know, <laughs> they know um, we don't like them. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a bit for them because you know they were on pole, they were leading the race, and um, I think they got a brake failure, which then caused uh, them to to lose the left front. Yeah, yeah, a crazy brake failure. Yeah, that was absolutely crazy, and the dynamic was very strange. So I was like. At the moment, I thought, okay, this is not going to be a retirement. They're just going to fix the thing and get it back on track. But uh, it actually ended up being a retirement, which uh, I kind of felt a bit for. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, like, the the brake disc completely exploded, which is is something that can happen. But they they fell out of luck the moment that the brake disc exploded I think it was in the like first sector of the track so basically uh it it was uh, was it Fraga at the wheel at the moment yeah I think it was Felipe Fraga I can't remember so basically he he had to do the entire track with a a brake disc failure so basically the entire uh front of the car shattered because he had to do so many kilometers so Yeah. yeah It's under. I mean, it's understandable. It was a pity, though. Yes, because uh, I mean, they really proved their their prowess. I mean, I think that regardless of wh- uh, whichever team you support, when a team that is go- doing so well actually, you know, loses it out for luck, sheer luck, or a mechanical failure or something like that, you still fear for them because I mean, we we love the competition. So yeah. if the strongest contender is put out because of you know some silly mechanical issue then you you reasonably get pissed because you want to see good racing yeah when when you love the sport it's like that yeah exactly and it's the same reason why we are in awe at mercedes achievements or lewis hamilton's achievements like to be honest neither of us ever ever supported mercedes or lewis hamilton per se but i mean you can you can't not be happy for them yeah, you can. If you love the sport, you can't because it's just so beautiful to see what can be achieved when a team and a driver, and this again applies to every category, works so well together. Yeah. Uh, 
I was also quite a bit heartbroken about Audi, like the entire Audi squadron. Uh, it was it was so insane, Marty. You you probably didn't see most of it because it didn't happen during your shifts or yeah, stuff didn't. like that. But basically, like every single official car. Uh, either they didn't even crash out, like properly crash out. They were even <laughs> taken out or suffered mechanical issues, especially like WRT, like a team so important. And yeah. they didn't didn't get, they only got like one car to the checkered flag and it wasn't like in P15, P16, something like that. That was so, so weird. Thank God the 66 attempt to actually, you know, save the face. Yeah, yeah, at least one. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Exactly. Also, also a bit sad for uh, Calado, Pierguidi and Nielsen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they just didn't have the pace on the wet. So that, that was kind of depressing. So, yeah. guys, if you want to, you know, read more about the race in case you haven't seen it and you are Italian readers, then you know we have an official Telegram channel exclusively dedicated to endurance racing. And we always do live commentary of these super important races for the entirety of the race. Like, it's crazy. Honestly, the first time we did this was for Le Mans 2019 and the actual endurance division wasn't even formed yet. Um, yeah. But we had so much fun that we decided to replicate and like now the the, the division is has been running for a year and a half. So it's a, it's a good result. Uh, but the thing is like this year, we had so many 24 hours races so close together. So our shifts have been insane, like 100% insane. We're so tired. Yeah, guys, we're really tired. And plus, if I can end the podcast on this note, we also have a MotoGP Telegram channel, <laughs> advertising voice. And <laughs> let me do yeah. a bit of advertising, you know. Um, yeah, we, we have MotoGP Telegram channel if you are Italian and follow MotoGP, which you probably don't if you're listening to this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> if sense. you want to, I don't know, have a look at it. It's it's right there. Hashtag know your audience. <laughs> okay, yeah. guys, so thank you very much for tuning in and for bearing our nihilist and extremely tired asses for the entirety of this podcast. Uh, and we'll see each other again on the 27th of November as usual. Hopefully, Italy will be out of soft lockdown by then. We hope so, at least. Yeah, uh, we really hope so. Yeah, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you in November. <laughs>